All right. I hope everybody's feeling good. Don't go to sleep. All right. The second best part of the evening's coming. <laughs> so <clears throat> I say that because y'all did a great job. I mean, I was never disappointed. You know, our Christmas banquet is good food, but that's all store-bought. This is excellent. And when I think about all the different ethnicity, all the ethnic backgrounds that are represented in our church, it really ties in with the theme for, from, from the Assembly of God World Missions Department, He is Worthy. And the theme verse was Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. I'm going to read it again. And I want to give you a little context. I'm going to back up a little bit to the fifth verse. <clears throat> it says, this is John in Revelation. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. <clears throat> the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out throughout the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And this is the theme verse, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons, people, from every tribe, every language, every nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. What a tremendous promise. God wants everyone to know about Jesus. He wants everyone to know about his son, what he did. And we're sampling. That's why I love this church, because we have so many nations represented here. Not just people like me. I mean, my father was born just months after my grandparents came over from Italy. So even he wasn't, you know, true Italian-American. But it's, it's just neat to know that we have so many of you who have actually come from other countries and you're here. You weren't born here. You were born somewhere else. And God has brought you here. And it's just such a blessing to me to have such a diverse family, church family right here. So real quick, I'm going <clears> to <throat> give this over to uh, Dwayne in a minute. But I want to report on a couple things. A reminder, as was shared last week, that year, year to date or, or 37 years to date, We've been in existence 37 years as a local assembly. We've given over $7.8 million to missions. And thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, especially in the last 25 years that I've been here as your pastor. Today's faith promises uh, came out to $5,275 monthly. That's incredible. For a total annual, if, and, and I know God will do more than that because we always do more than this. The annual on that, and I'm not good at math, so I did this on a calculator. You can trust this figure, $63,300 annually. And last year, um, I gave you the total last week. Last year's total, uh, the preliminary total was over 333000 and we're still waiting for the end of March. They'll send another report. I think this year past will probably be around 350000 That's just amazing. That is really amazing. And um, anyone I talk to about that, at headquarters in the World Missions Department, they're just blown away. And again, I'm thankful for you because it doesn't happen without all of us working together. Amen? Dwayne, are you ready? We're ready. Really enjoyed this morning, didn't you? How about telling them, okay? Let's thank you again for being with us this weekend. This is just the beginning. 
No matter the stakes or barriers, we are determined to cut the frontier to establish the church in any country, territory, or people group where it does not exist. We must send hundreds of church planning teams across the region, teaching and training leaders, discipling new believers, engaging in compassion ministries, doing business as missions, partnering with the national church, all toward the goal of establishing healthy missional churches that multiply. Following the biblical example, operating in teams is our preferred model for church planning, to create capacity and sustainability among our churches and grow our team leaders. Our missional culture cannot carry on in our comfort zones or be satisfied with the status quo. We press toward the goal with purpose in every step. This drives us forward with a renewed urgency to share the gospel, make disciples, and to see a church planning movement among every people group in Eurasia. In the few minutes I have today, tonight, I want to talk to you about that urgency. Uh, if you weren't here this morning, this is a picture of my wife and I and uh, our two sons. We've been serving for 25 years. Uh, started in Bangladesh 14 years. Then we were in Thailand uh, serving as air directors for 12 years. And uh, now we're serving the whole region of Eurasia. Uh, out at our table, there's some maps, uh, some prayer guides. If you have, if you use the Uversion Bible, you just look up Eurasia, and we even have our prayer app on there. You can do a 14-day, I think, uh, prayer-led uh, uh, Bible study on there. Um, so I was living in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which is in the northern part. And uh, back in 2018, there were some kids that were stuck in a cave. Do you remember that, the soccer team? And between July 8th and 10th, all 12 of those boys and their coach were rescued uh, by an international team. That international team had 10,000 people, including the local people. It included more than 100 divers, scores of rescue workers, representatives from 100 government agencies in Thailand, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, people from Australia, Belgium, Canada, China, Czech, Republic, uh, Myanmar, Philippines, Singapore, Spain, Sweden, Ireland, India, Israel, Japan, Laos, Netherlands, Russia, Ukraine, the UK, and the United States. I'm not sure why Norway didn't help them, Norwegian, uh, but they weren't there. But all these people came together on this rescue mission. Uh, if you go to the next slide, there's this, uh, this quote from this Lausanne uh, covenant that they had when it came to uh, this group of missional leaders came together and they came up with this phrase. It says, evangelism requires the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. So for this to work in this time and the urgency that we have right now, there's not the opportunity for some people to sit out and say, I'm not going to participate. The reality is just like this cave rescue there needed to be every, all hands on deck because time was of an essence and also it was, it was necessary because each person brought something to the table. And so there is a documentary made about the rescue. This is the, the, uh, the brochure or, whatever, or the, the poster they made. My son and I saw it in theaters. Uh, you can actually see it on, on uh, streaming. Uh, but this rescue, uh, it's a National Geographic documentary. And basically what they did is they took actual footage, interviewed the divers, and uh, 
We're just going to take a moment and watch that trailer. And I have a few things to pull out from that trailer that will talk about urgency. Uh, and so let's just t- check this out. right now out of Thailand. Rescue teams are working through the night to save 12 boys and their coach trapped inside a cave. The monsoon had come early. The conditions in the cave were impossible. There was a very strong feeling that the children couldn't be still alive. We need expert cave divers out here. The Thai Navy SEALs put everything they had into it but only this group of people who do it as a weekend hobby has those skills. I was thinking this this has actually got our name all over it. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face, trying to wriggle through holes that I couldn't wriggle through, finding a bigger space, sliding through, and then repeating again and again. We look into each other's faces thinking we may be the only ones that ever see them. Finding the boys was the easy part. They didn't have a clue how to get those kids out. We didn't think it was possible to dive the children out. We came up with the actual logistical plan. I told him that's a horrible idea. And then Rick said, what if it's the only idea? We were brutally honest. We promised multiple fatalities. It's about controlling your emotions and your fear. Panic is death in the cave. My mind was on overdrive. Oh my God, am I going to be good enough? If they die, it's going to tear me apart. If you don't die, everyone will die. I told the guys, this is a one-way trip. Once you start, you cannot stop. Believe. Pretty intense, right? And I remember when we were in Thailand, we would get different messages and, and people were try, scrambling to do all that they could first just to find them. But the reality is, as they said in that video, the conditions were impossible. You know, f- you know finding them was the easy part. Knowing they were stuck and they were lost was easy, but then to look at the conditions of what it would take to extract them. Uh, where those boys were was almost two miles into the mountain. Think about it. Two miles in, half a mile deep, all that. And the water inside was not just stagnant water. You know, it flooded up. This water was moving at white water rapid pace, you know, through those channels. And so when you think about it, it was just, this was an impossible task that these divers who go because they're crazy. They go into dark caves, and that's part of their hobby. They were, they were saying, we can do it. And when we look at the mission field and the world around us, the conditions are pretty impossible. But the reality is there was this sense of those 10,000 workers that we have to work, we have to act, we have to do something. Despite the impossibility of it, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to try to make it possible. The second thing that was pointed out in that trailer was that this actually has our name all over it. Those divers that they interviewed basically were some of the most, there was very few of them that were trained in cave diving, but they were basically uniquely equipped to go in there. 
and to, to perform the rescue because they had had the experience. And when we think about our lives, each of us have our own redemption story, our own rescue story where someone came to us in our darkness, in our cave of our life and brought the gospel to us and God extracted us. And so we've had that journey. We've taken that journey. And so this has our name all over it. If we're bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, he is worthy for us to sign up and say, we will go to the next person that's in the cave. Then they said, once you start, you cannot stop. So the crazy idea, <laughs> they, they start, when you watch the whole documentary, they start looking at this plan and they map it out with little tape and plastic chairs and they explain how they're going to go to there's as they go through the cave there was spots where you could get out and there was like a air pocket and then they would go for so many you know hours not minutes and go to the next pocket and then go through this whole thing and they came up with this plan and uh they were going to take the kids they found one of these cave divers he was, a, he was a doctor, and he figured out maybe we can put them under, knock them out, put the mask on their face, tie their hands behind their back, and float them out. But the anesthesia would only last so long. So then the divers who were not trained had to learn how to do the anesthesia so that they would stay asleep. I mean, so you think about the impossibilities. This next slide, uh, this is Derek Anderson. And... Uh, he said, you heard in there, he said, this is, this is a horrible idea. You know, they laid out the idea, and they're like, this is a horrible idea. But what if we could? What does impossible look like? So this guy is an Assembly of God missionary kid that was part of the rescue team, Latin America missionary. And, uh, but, he, but they said, once you start, you cannot stop. Basically, they said, once we start taking them, floating them out, we can't go, oh, let's bring them back. We have to go for this. And that relates to this end times that we're in. We can't just go, oh, let's kind of pause it till next year, to the next mission trip. No, we have to say, there are people, time is running out. The rains are, spiritual rains are flooding our world, and we need to get to them as fast as possible. The reality is the moment they pulled out the last person, the pumps failed, the Things started to fill up, and uh, and there would have that didn't go down for months after that. So timing was so critical. Uh, they they the things that people did to rescue them was insane. They literally took waterfalls and diverted the entire waterfall. So you'll see the waterfall coming down. And then they show a picture of how they've diverted all the water just to lower the pressure on those caves. But once you start, you can't stop. So. That relates to us. We can't stop what we're doing and just say, well, look, look how many people we already rescued. We got to keep going. Then at the end, the person, the, the, the one last thing that I remember from that trailer was the guy comes up and that's a live footage. I mean, not live, but an actual recording of when he first found the kids. And he comes up and he's like, he's like, believe, believe. And, and he said, he says in the movie, I didn't say believe for them. I said, believe for me, because I'm thinking, how are we going to ever get them out of here? You know, and so we need to believe that with God, he's going to help us to do whatever it takes to reach this world. Uh, and back to D Derek Anderson, uh, when he heard the idea, he said, that's a horrible idea. And Rick said, what if it's the only idea? <laughs> 
You know, and so I think of the disciples. When Jesus raises from the dead, he's, everybody's excited. He's back to life. He goes and he gets to the point where he's about to ascend. And he goes, hey, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize people, all this stuff. And he says, and then he's like, I'm going to go. And the disciples were probably on that spot going, that's a horrible idea. You know, why don't you just stay here? And they probably go, but what if it's the only idea? You see, God's always been working through people, right? And so he's still doing that today. So we might go, it's a horrible idea for God to use us to reach our neighbors, to reach the world. But what if it's the only idea? He has put you in this place and this time to be part of this great rescue that he is doing in our world. And my phone froze up, so go ahead and go to the next slide. Oh, there we go. So the great rescue requires the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Uh, for those of you who've been in the summer's got a long time, this next photo is a picture of the first commercial flight in the entire world. Uh, it took pay place on the Tampa Bay, and uh, the tickets were like a crazy price in American and modern time money. But 1914, it happened in January, and so this guy Percival who started this, basically go from one side of the bay to the other. It was commercial flight, first one ever. That same year, 1914, what happened in 1914? Those of you who grew up in the AG. The founding of the Assemblies of God. So think about it. They came together, and they would articulate it later, say, to, to, to have the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. And this was the plains. You know, they went on boats, right? They couldn't even imagine the opportunity we have now with technology and stuff. And so this guy said, what was impossible yesterday is an accomplishment today, but tomorrow heralds the unbelievable. And what did he know about aviation, what it would be like today, sending people to the moon, all those things from that time. But the same is true in missions as we're part of this great rescue. What tomorrow holds will be unbelievable if each of us are a part of the rescue. I have this video of a lady who gives her testimony. Uh, her name is Opal. And I just want to end with this uh, video. And just watch her demeanor as she talks about her testimony. My Thai name is Sirilat Jina and my nickname is Opal, and I am from Thailand. My family's background is uh, Buddhism. So my dad, my mom, and my older brother, they all Buddhist. I uh, decided to become a Christian in 2003. I almost finished my university, it was my last year. And um, the reason why I uh, decided to believe in Jesus was that I need acceptance from a lot of people around me, but I could not find anywhere, like from friends, from uh, opposite sex, or even uh, my family. So when I heard, uh, on that day when I heard about Jesus, that he... Sorry. Um, when 
I heard uh, someone sharing about Jesus' love that He cares uh, for us human, um, that He even counts uh, all of our hairs on our head. So that was kind of like the hook for me to to open up my heart uh, for Him because I thought, okay. Since I was uh, seeking a purpose and seeking love from like everywhere, but I could not find. Wow. She became a believer 20 years ago. And when she talks about Jesus, there's someone who understands they were rescued, that there was no hope for them. And that's where if we're in the right alignment with God's heart for the world, we just need to go back to that moment and remember we were rescued. That there's an urgency that there are still people who have yet to hear once, that have yet to have that hope that Opal had. And it, the conditions will seem impossible. <laughs> but you and I are uniquely set up because God has rescued us. And once we start, we can't stop. And we got to believe that God's going to do it. And it's going to be those people that we never thought possible. You know, those co-workers that don't know Jesus, those family members that are far from God, those nations that stand in opposition to God. God is going to bring that great rescue, and let's be a part of it. God bless you. Thank you, Dwayne. Well, that's our evening, guys, and I want us to close in prayer. I'm encouraged because of what you said this morning. We're just ordinary people doing somewhat ordinary things, but we're doing them for the King of Kings. And if you've read the end of the book, we win. That came out Wednesday night in our Bible study, the book of Revelation. We're starting, you know, we just started this past Wednesday. We win. Our King wins, and we're part of his family. And uh, I want to say this too, starting next Sunday, I want to share with you. Well, next Sunday, I want to share with you kind of an introduction to where we're going to go in the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings. Uh, the three pastors, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Hans, and I are going to talk about the seven churches of Revelation on Sunday mornings. Wednesday night, we're going through the entire book of Revelation for however long that might take. Um, but we've got a job to do before he comes back, right? Matthew twenty four fourteen: this gospel shall be preached to all peoples, and then the end will come. And that's our goal. We want the end to come. We want to get to heaven. We want to bring as many people with us. But eventually we need our king to come. Amen. Stand with me, would you? Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the ministry we've received today. Even for this very poignant message tonight that we're in the, we're in the, we're in the business of rescuing souls. And we have to keep going. We have to keep going. Your church is growing, but it has to keep moving forward. And we need the power of your Holy Spirit to help us. We do ask for that. And Lord, we thank you that as your word tells us, you're coming back. Coming back for a bride that is spotless. You're coming back once we have finished the task that you've given to us. And I thank you, Lord, for reminding us of all that this morning and tonight. And again, Lord, I thank you for all the many hands that prepared such great food for us tonight. I pray your blessing in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.